I have a book in my library, in fact, many books by this author, but this one always stood out to me. And it's um, a book of sermons, and the title of it is The Greatest Words in the Bible and Human Speech. The Greatest Words in the Bible and Human Speech by Clarence McCartney. Clarence McCartney was a Presbyterian pastor for 40 years in Philadelphia um, in the early 1900s, and a powerhouse in the pulpit because his preaching was always rooted in the Bible. And this, as well as about 10, 15 other books, was part of the books that he released that were in print of his messages that he preached from that Philadelphia pulpit. And it's this book in particular, The Greatest Words in the Bible and Human Speech, was a book of sermons he preached there, a series of messages, and it was a, he would each week was one word. He would give um, re really a, a theme and then give the word that he was speaking about. First, for example, these are some of the chapters. The most dangerous word. And then he would write the word tomorrow was the most dangerous word and preach a message on that. God's favorite word, come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. It was, it, that's what the sermon was about. The saddest word, sin. And the most beautiful word, forgiveness. And there's probably 12 messages and sermons in here. But on one of those sermons was the one that caught my attention that I read and reread just recently. And it was, the name of this chapter was called The Word That Conquers God. The Word That Conquers God. His introduction alone came like rapid fire with 26 questions. I was overwhelmed because he wouldn't mention what the word is, but he kept asking these questions, these questions, these questions. And if you would allow me just for the next few moments, I want to read to you the introduction of Clarence McCartney's sermon, The Word That Conquers God. I was overwhelmed when I read this, thought of you and thought of what, where, where we're at as a church. Let me read to you with removing some of the 26, but capturing what he said. He starts off the chapter like this, the word that conquers God. What mighty word is that we're talking about? Listen to this. Here comes the rapid fire of questions. What is the word that turns captivity captive? What is the word that unites far separated souls around one common mercy seat? What is the word that brings man's storm-driven ship into the haven of safety and rest? What is the word that turns back the shadow of death on the face of a sinful lifestyle? What is the word that gives songs in the night, lifts the load of guilt from the conscience-smitten heart? What is the word that puts a sword in our hand when we face temptation? What is the word that gives us strength to face our daily burdens? What is the word that fortifies the soul what is the word that lifts us up when we have fallen? What is the word that brings angels down from heaven to minister to us when we are in a battle? What is the word that makes us co-workers with God in his kingdom? And what is the word that recalls the wanderer from the far off country? What is the word that is the best physician to both body, soul, and spirit? 
And what is the word that which when we speak it may set captives free? He goes on to say, what is the word that sets a lamp of forgiveness and reconciliation in the, wid- in the window so a prodigal can return home? And what is the word that brings eternity into view? What is the word that it's in its simplest form of speech, infants can try to do it? And what is the word that is the sublimest strain that can reach the majesty on high? What is the word that makes the angels rejoice when they hear it on the lips of a contrite sinner? And what is the word that is our watchword at the gate of death, the word which we need to enter heaven? Here it is, church. McCartney says, the mighty, all-prevailing, God-conquering word, here it is, is prayer. Listen to this. That word that conquers God is prayer. That's a bold thing to say, McCartney says, and yet we say it by the authority of scriptures. Jesus said, knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given. Prayer is the word that conquers God. Hallelujah. That's the word. That's the series. Because you prayed. Just a few days ago, I listened to two popular next-gen pastors here in the United States discuss how they get their sermons. I was intrigued. It was just a short interview or a short clip. One said, I take Monday off, and then Tuesday I do CEO things with the staff. And he says, and then on Wednesday, I shut down. My heart began to get happy about that words shutting down. He says, and then on, when I shut down, I listen to everybody's sermons around the country so I can figure out what to preach. Then I collaborate with my team on those, on those, those, those words so we can come up with a sermon. And neither of them, they were congratulating each other. Nobody said, I fall on my face and talk to God. I fall on my knees to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. The word that conquers God, prayer, not even mentioned. My, my friend told me yesterday of one of the largest churches in America that uses a secular organization for sermon prep that does behavioral analytics to know what the audience wants so the pastor can preach it. Okay, I want you to listen. I know what you need. You need a word from heaven. You need a word from the Holy Spirit. You need a word from, I don't need behavioral analytics to go, what is the common need of it? We need a fresh word from heaven and from God. I don't need a secular organization scripting my sermon and what to preach. I need the Holy Ghost. I don't need collaboration with people around me and my staff. I need to be alone with God. No one falls on their face any longer and says, what do you want me to say? I've been stirred by Jesus at one of his most difficult moments where he needed guidance. And he has, and you'll see it, twice he has an opportunity to collaborate with his closest people and refuses it both times so he can be alone with God. And instead of collaborating, it's a challenge to all of us as leaders. It's a challenge to every one of you that preach. Don't collaborate, get on your face before God. Let God give you the word that you need. 
G. Campbell Morgan said the church did the most when the church was the least like the world. But here is what Jesus does. Look at this in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. Then Jesus came with them. This is the disciples. There's only 11 at this time because Judas has gone into his betrayal mode to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here and let us collaborate. No, he said, sit here while I leave you because I need to hear what God says and I'm gonna go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here, let's get a table together and so we can talk about what I'm supposed to say when the Romans come. No, the Bible says in verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He passes up a collab table of 11, a collab table of three, and says the only voice that matters to me now is the voice of the Father. When we collaborate, we get messages over the last couple weeks where one church in Super Bowl Sunday is kicking the Bible like it's a football. Another church is pouring syrup on it down in the south. And then you have other churches that are dressing up the senior pastor from night for the, for the, for see at the movies. And you're dressing up like Maverick and Tom Cruise. That's the last thing you need to see from me. If I, let me just say, what you better see is someone that looks like Jesus, heard from Jesus, and preaches what Jesus said. We, we, and see, that's what the God, that's what it is. This is what it is. Look at this. And then it's important that I read what, what he does next. Then he came to his disciples in verse 40 and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And here's what's important. Again, a second time he went and prayed. This is, it's a wrestling match, it seems. Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, lest I drink it, your will be done. He's fighting with doing his will, not going to the cross, and the Father's will. It's a fight that's going on. And he came and found them asleep again after he prayed this second time for their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and, and went again, look at this church, and prayed the third time the same words. This is the fight. This is the wrestling match. And then he came. It's almost like the other times he was just asking the disciples out of, out of this um, almost really just needing help. Can't you pray with me? Can't you, can't you stay up? And then all of a sudden it seems in verse 45, resolve and steadfastness. Something steadied him in verse 45 when he came back to his disciples and the language changes and he says, and he says these words. He says, behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Something happened. There was a resolve in his heart that something he got from God allowed him to steady himself and stand. And it all started, I believe, when Jesus told the closest people, sit here while I go over there. Verse 39 says these these words, he went a little farther. He went a little farther. Folks, folks, that's 
what we need, people, congregants, pastors, leaders, to go further than the group. That's the constant challenge in this series. Go further in prayer. Go further in God. And keep this in mind. Listen, when you leave the crowd, when you leave the tables, the friends, the collaborators, and the sciences, when you leave the people, get this now, you will know these three things, the will of God, the mind of Christ, and the strength of the Holy Spirit. When you find and go a little bit further, you will know the will of God. When you go a little bit further, you'll get the mind of Christ. And when you go a little bit further in prayer, you'll receive the strength of the Holy Spirit. We're living in unprecedented times, my friends. What is happening is out of human control. We don't have the money, the military power, not even the technology nor the government to fix what is happening. The government meaning whatever is present now and whoever is to come can't fix what we're facing. It's called the last days. God is bringing us to our knees, to a no option place where we only have one place to go, which is God himself. And we are living in a time that I'm, listen carefully, we're living in a time that you will, as, as Bible-believing Christians, it's already happening. You will be targeted by the world. The Apostle John says, do not be shocked by this. He says, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Listen, we will be slandered, lied about, accused falsely as biblical Christians. Listen to what one of my spiritual fathers said, Leonard Ravenhill. He said, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. And then he says this, if weak in prayer, we are weak everywhere. How can you have a dead service with a living Christ? How can you have a dead service with a living, resurrected Jesus? That's why I'm telling you. Easter is just four weeks away or three weeks away, whatever it is. It, the resurrection of Jesus is powerful in itself. Let the resurrection speak for itself. Christ is risen. Let that be our message on Easter. But if that is our message, listen to what will happen in the last days. This is the last days attitude that I want to read to you as we talk about prayer. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. I want to read it to you out of a paraphrase. Paraphrase. Listen to these words. He says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Folks, that's already happening. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. Verse 3 says they will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They'll be ferocious. This got me. Belligerent haters of what is good and right. Belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery. They will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, 
but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Folks, that's the culture we live in today. People will cancel you, target you, post about you, protest you if you don't agree with this culture. The only answer we have in this time, I'm telling you, is the word that conquers God. It is a praying church. It's the only thing that can do it. The only thing. And that's why I want to talk to you today. I've really kept praying through the series, and I felt strongly that this needs to be part of the book and the series and the plea and the cry for us. I want to talk to you how to fight the lies, slander, and false accusations that will come against you. I want to talk to you about the lies, the slander, and the false accusations that will come against you. You're going to see how David fought it. And I want to take you to a crisis in David's life and the five words that steadied him. He was facing people like this crew from 2 Timothy 3, and you're going to see his response. It's one of the lowest moments of David's life. And in fact, it's C.S. Lewis that says, when you open up this chapter, he says, it's like a blast from the furnace. It's so intense. When you open it up, he says, it's like feeling the heat of what David's going through. Now, the background of Psalm 109 is, very, is, is, is not clear because he's being attacked by a, a group of people or a person that he knows and loved. No one can say for sure who it is. It could be Saul who has hated him and saw him as a threat to his position. It's, it could be his son, Absalom, who rebelled against him and stole the kingdom and the throne from his father. It could be Doeg who snitched on David's whereabouts so his killers and assassins would have the location where to find him so they could kill David. It could even be Ahithophel, his trusted counselor and staff member who betrayed him for his son Absalom. Now, church, we don't know who the who is of Psalm 109, but we do know this. We have all had a who like that in our lives. Maybe presently, in the past, or in the future. And we need this psalm to help us because you are facing or will face or have faced someone who has betrayed us, lied about us, hated us, broke our confidence, created havoc for us by their words of their mouth or even by their fingers and their keyboard. They have come against us. And David uses words like, I, was, I feel surrounded, fought, People are fighting against me. I'm attacked with lies, deceit, and accusation. To add insult to injury, you'll see it. It comes from a people that he once called friends. But it only takes four verses to find out these five powerful words that David uses when he is facing lies, slander, accusations, and personal attacks. Let me read to you Psalm 109. O God of my praise, do not be silent. For they have opened the wicked and they have they have opened the wicked and deceitful mouth against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They've also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without cause. And here's how we know it was somebody he knew. He said, In return for my love, they act as accusers. They accuse me of something. Now, folks, I only put up there that first half of verse four because you're gonna see how David fights. This thing, these lies and accusations. So with all this lies, deceit, 
says, in return for my love, they act as my accusers. Now watch the turn. Here it is. But I am in prayer. <laughs> Folks, that's the answer. Look at that. But I am in prayer. That's the word that conquers God. That's the word that changes everything. Those five powerful words that David says. I was reading um, some time ago. I, I couldn't even remember this, this small article about, don't ask why I found it, of where do fish go in a hurricane? That when it's crazy on top, what do they do? And it says when the water is turbulent from a storm, it says fish go to 26 feet but that, that begins to bring calm and solitude that no matter what's happening up there, they make a dive for 26 feet. Folks, so that means when a pandemic, a crisis, an accusation, a family death, slandered, attack, what we do as believers, we go deeper. We, we hit 26 feet. Those five words of Psalm 109 verse 4, those are 26 feet words. But I am in prayer means David took a dive and said, listen, I've got to get to prayer, but I am in prayer. Someone said this, they said that when you're going through a time, what's more important than theology is neology. That you've got to just fall to your knees 26 feet and say, it's crazy there, but I've got to be in the presence of God is what i got to do. And if that doesn't make sense, maybe Dr. Charles Stanley, who's in heaven right now, he said the shortest distance between a problem and a solution is the distance between your knees and the floor. That's prayer. That's neology. That's 26 feet. That's the word that conquers God. Praying. Now, I was wondering whether to say this or not. You know me. It doesn't matter. But, I, but, I, but it's not controversial. It, it was something that I'm going, God, I don't even know where this goes, but I understand it now. Because when you read of the attacks of David, and he comes up with this 26 feet phrase, but I am in prayer, David is praying. After that, we get his prayer. But folks, it's interesting that his prayer goes bad. It's almost, and I didn't know whether to bring it up or not, but I have to. Because it's like I was looking for something in Psalm 109 for you, like I did in Job last week, to go, how do you fix Job? How do you get Job there? And then you're reading about crocodiles and hippos. And then all of a sudden, I'm going, okay, but David is going to help us. And the problem is, here comes a big theological word. David, instead, what he, what he says is, but I am in prayer. He then prays what we call an imprecatory psalm, which is a psalm of revenge. And here's what I love, is that the Bible doesn't take it out. He wants you to see the words of David. The Holy Spirit keeps the words there so you can see David pray what you thought many times but you thought, I'll just keep it in my heart and won't say the words. News flash, he already knows what's in your hearts. But David 
David goes public and transparent. I have to read to you his prayers because we've all felt this way. So David says this, my accusers have come. They've lied. They've slandered. And here it is. But I am in prayer, 26 feet. And I want you to see, I started laughing, what he prayed over, over these next 10, 15 verses. This is David's prayer. I'm going, we got problems, David. Okay, look at this. He's, this is what he says about it, the people he's, that, that have accused him. Let his days be few. And let, that means let him die. Let, let another take his office. That means let him be jobless. Then he says, let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. I'm going, I used to like you, David. Look at this now. Let his children wander about and beg and let them seek sustenance far from their ruined homes. Let their homes, let them lose their mortgage. Look at this. Let the creditor seize all that he has and let the strangers plunder the product of his labor. This is David, like David, Psalms David praying this. Look at this. Let there be none, no one to extend loving kindness to him. No, let, whenever he wants to go for help, let them say, no way, nor any be gracious to his fatherless child. I don't even want his children to have any care for. Let his posterity, his future be cut off in a following generation. Let their names be blotted out. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered. We're saying, oh God, don't remember my iniquity. He says, remember it all. And do not let the sin of his mother be blotted out. I'm going, come on, on his mother, have some mercy here. Let them be before the Lord continually that he may cut off their memory from the earth. Let this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord and those who spoke evil against me. Get them, God. And then here's what's awesome. After he says this, you got to read the next verse. And then he says this, but you, oh God, the Lord, deal kindly with me. What? Kill them, love me. Hurt them, fix me. Folks, this is awesome because it's so honest. You have, you, listen, you all thought this. All of you thought this. You just thought you were holy by not saying it. And the Bible says even David not only thought it, but prayed it. And, and we get to see it thousands of years later. Keep this in mind. Prayer is not getting what you want. Prayer is discovering what the will of God is. That's what prayer is. It's not getting what you want. It's saying, what's your will, oh God? See, if you don't pray like Jesus, then you end up praying like David, scripting what you want. That's never the will of God. That's not the will of God for those people that, that, that hurt David. Jesus wanted the cup to pass from him, and he needed to pray three times to give him strength and fortitude that he was about to go to the cross, face excruciating pain. And he needed, he didn't need Peter, James, and John. He didn't need the 11 disciples. He needed a word from heaven. He needed God to help him face this. And when you don't continue to take a deep dive for what God wants, you end up praying like David. And, and folks, let me, let me say it to you like this. Jesus 
teaches us something in that Matthew 26 passage. I'm going to give, I gave you your theology word, imprecatory psalm. Now I'm going to give you my old how I was raised word that some of you are going to recognize. Because it's what Jesus did. How did Jesus get to that moment that he said, okay, they're all coming now. We're ready. Let's go. The hour is at hand. How, how did that happen? Because he prayed it three times. Or oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Old Sunday night word that we used to use. Jesus, you ready for this? prayed through. He prayed through. Some of you don't know what that is because this is what we do. Oh God, I need your help and walk away. Jesus fought and wrestled until God, he got God's will. If David stays with that one prayer, David misses the will of God. That's not the will of God. Him praying that imprecatory song. You read another place. He, this, all you dentists will be happy about this. Another place he goes, God, shatter their teeth. It was, that's what the, the, but that's honest David. But it's not praying. What we, it's not, prayer is not getting what you want. It's getting, discovering the will of God. It's praying through. Because praying through changes it. Here it comes. When you pray through, it changes it from how bad people are to how great God is. That's what happens when you go through and pray through. When you pray through, you realize this, God is faithful and God is great. I have to dive 26 feet continually. Here it comes. Don't miss this. Because the storm is not just on the outside. Listen now. The storm is not just here. The storm is on the inside. Because what they caused is havoc in my soul. What it's caused is craziness in my mind, the mind battles. that. How many know what I'm talking about? Because, because the battles up here create turmoil inside of here. That's, what, that's why you take the deep dive. That's why you go the 26 feet. That's why, you, like Jesus, you go back and you pray the same thing. God, I need your help. God, I need deliverance. God, I need freedom. God, I need you to come. And keep this in mind. Here, here it is. Because it deals with wanting, wanting to come against people. Because when you don't go 26 feet, you end up posting, texting, speaking, emailing, letters, and all this stuff. But get this down. Get this down. I wrote this, I wrote this down. The more you pray, the less you'll say to people. The more, and if you hear of somebody who's just going, I just got to speak my mind. Guaranteed that person doesn't pray. I just got to tell the truth. No, you should be praying. I don't need you on surface. I need you at 26 feet. The more you pray, the less you'll say. And if you got, and if you're going like, but I just got to be honest, then say it at 26 feet. Say it where David said it. Don't, this is what gets you in trouble. I'm just, at least I'm honest. No, no, no. That's like, like it's a badge for you. You're honest, but you have no self-control. How about that one? Ooh, I know you're angry now. <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm watching you walk out. Okay, let's listen, listen. Because that's what it's, that's not a badge of honor. I just tell the truth. Tell it at 26 feet. Tell it to God. Because you know what God will do? God will take your honest words and reshape them and remold them and speak to your own heart so that when you come up to the surface, you look like Jesus instead of looking like you. That's what God has to do. That's why, 
For, when when Dave, those words that are in the Bible, but I am in prayer, it's such a powerful phrase. The word that is never in the original text is the small word in, which makes this pretty amazing. It's that it actually says, instead of saying, but I am in prayer, it actually says, but I am prayer. That's what it actually says. But I am prayer, which means he is saying, I have to dwell at 26 feet. I've got to live in that spot. Those five words will steady my soul. That 26 feet dive will steady my soul. And the two things that happen, I want to give you these two things in close. These two things will happen when you take that 26 foot dive, when you stay in prayer, when the lies, the accusations, whether they're coming from people or whether they're coming from hell, whether they're coming from loved ones or whether they're coming from the thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It's that 26 foot dive because you prayed that you'll find victory. Because you prayed, you will find in the midst of the storm a place that you can call upon God at that moment. That's what God wants to do. And, and if while down there at that 26 feet you come up and there's still stuff in your heart, take another dive. Take another dive. Stay in prayer. But this is what I've learned when I have taken that, when I became prayer and started to pray. I've noticed that there's two things that I find out. Those five words will steady my soul and help me remember these two things. God is faithful and God is great. It's the only thing that gets me through. God is faithful and God is great. Here it is, very quickly. Number one, when I am in prayer, I remember how faithful God is. Do you know, I, I'm just finishing up. I'm coming to the moment in my Bible reading. It's it, as, as, as I'm reading through the Bible each year and I'm coming through the moment of the children of Israel have just been released from Israel. From, I'm sorry, from Egypt. After 430 years of captivity, Moses comes out of the desert after 40 years being a shepherd, how, how do you prepare somebody there's, there's to say you go from being a shepherd, leading a few sheep, now you're going to lead four million people. Four million people. Folks, do you understand? Only God could have figured this out. How do you plan for this? Unless, unless you got God's faithfulness to come, this has never been seen before, to lead 3.5 million people out of Egypt. Let's just take it from this standpoint. How do you feed them every day? Just bread and water. The United States Army Quartermaster General is the person who is in charge of the supplies for our armed forces and for the Army specifically. This is what they said, somebody some decades ago calculated what Moses had to do just to provide food and water. Listen to this. Feeding three and a half million people, they said, requires a lot of food. My, my side note here. Do you know that we have 20 states in the U.S. that have less than, than three and a half million people? Moses is leading a group of people that is larger than 20 states out of our 50 states. And he's in charge of them. He doesn't know what he's doing. According to the U.S. quartermaster general, he said, Moses, in order to feed these people, here it comes, folks, 
needs 1,500 tons of food a day. That means you need two freight trains, each a mile long, filled with food. That's two miles of freight trains that would feed the people for a day. And how about this? How about this one? How about water? If they only had enough water to drink and wash a few dishes, it would take 11 million gallons each day. Food is two miles long. You ready for this? In order to give water to these people, that, that, those trains would have to be 1,800 miles long. Do you actually think Moses was on his iPhone going, okay, 3.5 minutes. Okay, is there a Costco? Is there a Costco and a Sam's that's near us that we can do this? And we just got to get a card and become a member at this place. Folks, he didn't know what he was doing. How do you do that? Okay, let me throw. So 1,800 miles long for water, two miles long for food, and you ready for this? Here it comes, and you have to do it for 40 years. It's not even, one day would be insane. 40 years, you've got to do this. And all of a sudden, God goes, do this? I've been faithful to you for all these years. Not only can I do it, I'll bring water from unexpected places. I'll let it come out of a rock. I'll, let, I'll find bitter waters and let you throw in a tree and those waters become sweet. You need food? I'll send birds or I'll send manna from heaven to come down. And how about this? I'll even top it off. You don't even have to go to Saks or Macy's because your clothes aren't going to wear out. Your shoes aren't going to wear out. And I'll cover all this for the next 40 years. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. God is faithful. And some of you have been lied about, slandered, and you're going, I may lose my job. Listen, if he can do this, I think he's got you covered. God has a good track record. It was Corey Temboon, the Holocaust survivor, who prayed these words in her journal. Listen to this. Jesus, how foolish of me to have called for human help when you're already there. You're already present for me. You know what that means? Our God is faithful. He's faithful. That's why as, as Elder Vicky sang the song today, all my life, you have been faithful. No, that was a song we sang in Spanish, wasn't that? We sang that in Spanish. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been what? So, so good. God is faithful. And let's close with this as the band comes. When I am in prayer, I remember how great God is. Now keep this in mind. This is why we take the deep dive. This is why we go 26 feet. We stay in prayer. Prayer changes me before my situation changes. Prayer 
changes me before my situation changes. That's why we stay down there. I'm reminded of Hannah in the Bible and her crisis. She was a mother. She would, she would eventually be the mother of Samuel, the priest and prophet. But before his birth, her barren womb made her a target of ridicule from the women of Israel. They would look at her and make fun. It was a barren womb. It would seem to be a curse. It was a, it was a blotch on society to be a woman with no children. And she was being ridiculed in regards to her barrenness. And then this is what I loved. Don't miss this. And then Hannah said, I'm going 26 feet. She's going to be able to say, I'm barren. I don't have any children. But I am in prayer. Listen to it. She was greatly distressed. And then here's 26 feet. Prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And look what prayer does. Here it is. Look at it. Here it is. And she said, look at this prayer. Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so the woman went her way and ate. And her face was no longer sad. Do you, do you understand what happened? Prayer changed the distress and sadness. And she wasn't even pregnant yet. She didn't have to wait for a baby to change her attitude. Or let me say it like this. Are you ready? ready for this? Some of you need to hear this. My joy is not from a miracle. My joy is from the presence of the Lord. Because some of you walk around. Let, let me just. Some, some of you. You don't even have to tell us the way you look. We know you're in a battle. You know, just the way you look. And you know, and that look on your face, that, that look like, like, you know what that, this is what we want to tell you. I just want to go, don't wait for the miracle. Don't wait for the miracle. Get into his presence. In your presence, David says, is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Not in my miracle, not in my answer, not with, no, no, no. She's saying this without even a baby. She's saying this without even a child. She's beginning to announce this very thing, that God changes me in, my, in and for my crisis. My joy comes from the presence of the Lord. And this is what God begins to do. This is, so here's what we do. Here's how we close. I want to give you a weapon when you go to prayer. I'm going to, I love when Ricardo sometimes, you guys come, all you people that sing, come. I love when Ricardo or Elder Vicky, they just go, lift your hands. And we, I, I, want, I want to teach you how these hands are going to become signals of the greatness of God. Because as you kneel tonight, these hands, so when Ricardo says, lift your hands, I'm going to teach you just a new way to lift them tonight. The children of Israel were at a point of national crisis again, and they needed to see God. They needed to see the greatness of God. And so in Isaiah 40, the prophet Isaiah says, lift your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, he's going to go, here is your God. He's about to describe him to you. Verse 10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power, rules with a mighty arm. See his reward with him and his recompense accompanies him. 
He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads them, those that have the young. And here's the part I want you to see. He has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands or with the breadth of his hands. He's marked off the heavens who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. He gives these amazing pictures of God. So stand with me and, right now and I'm gonna give you. So TSC, get ready because I'm, I'm gonna, I wanna declare to you in these next few moments, I'm gonna give you a weapon when you pray. I'm gonna give you something for 26 feet. I'm gonna give you something when you go low. It's gonna remind you. I wanna, I wanna basically say, here's your God. Here's your God. It's that, it's that one verse, look at it. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands and marked off the heavens by the span. Look at those, look at those words. And here's where we end. I wanna just give it real quick. The hollow of his hand and the span of his hand. Uh, the hollow of his hand and the span of his hand. He's marked off the waters in the hollow of his hand. Two thirds of our planet is covered with water, two-thirds. Some places are six miles deep. And they say that the world has so much water, it's incalculable. You can't even calculate it, the gallons of water that's there. And here's what Isaiah says. Go like this. That's called the hollow of your hand. And God goes... I've got the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Mediterranean, the Antarctic, the Indian. I got, I've got the Hudson River and the East, the East River is in his. He says, I've got it all in my hands. He said, so when you're thinking, is God, can God take care of me? Just lift your hands like this and just go. If he can hold all that, he can cover me in this situation. Or how about this? How about this? Our universe, you cannot even calculate the distance of our universe from one end to the other. Can't even calculate. Listen, we, try, we just try to send a, a robot to the moon and we're having issues. It's working. No, it's not working. We got, we got pic no pictures. We don't even know. We can't even... They say it's incalculable from one end to the other. You ready for this? We do know that the nearest star is four and a half light years away. If light travels at 186,000 feet per second, that means the nearest star is 26 trillion miles away. 26 trillion miles away. Okay, you ready for this? Does God hold all the waters in his hand? That's the hollow. Hold that out. Now hold up your other hand like this. The span, he says he measures the universe with the span of his hand. The span of a hand is the pinky tip to the thumb tip. And God goes, I measure what you can't like this. That means between there and there on God's hands, is Earth, the Sun, Neptune, poor Pluto's not even a planet. And you got all these 
all this stuff. And God goes, I've got Alpha Centauri, every black hole. I've got everything that's on there from Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. I've got everybody in there. He says, so when you're thinking to yourself, can God get me out of this? All you got to do is just go, he holds it all in the palm. And I believe he can do anything. Listen, that's why, how many, how many of you remember this corny little thing all, all these rebellious kids used to do when you used to talk to them and go, and because now the rebellious kids that used to do this, you're, it's, it's you, you're the adults now. Because what it used to be is this, talk to the, that's what I want to say to the devil, talk to the hand. You got to talk to the hand. So if you want to go ahead and attack me, here's what you get, devil, span and hollow. So whatever accusation you bring against me, I've got a God that measures a universe. I've got a God that holds it all in the palm of his hands. I've got a God who is worthy. And that when I go down to pray, I'm going to lift my hand. When you pray, go, you hold it all. You can do it all. Our God is great. Our God is great. Our God is able. He's great. Hallelujah. You can't get that on the surface. You gotta deep dive. That's what you have to do. When you're up top, you're, you're looking at people. Remember, prayer changes us from the, from the evil of man to the greatness of God. That's what prayer does. If you say, some of us, why, why is it? Why is it it's so hard for you to pray? Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you at 26 feet. Yes. He wants you fighting it with your keyboard. Oh, you blog, I'll blog you. You block me, I'll block you. You post that, ooh, you did that, on, you did that on TikTok. Watch me do this on Instagram. I don't even like them. I don't even, they don't even know. And so you watch this war go on back and forth. And the war is flesh and blood. No, it's a spiritual war. You're supposed to be 26 feet. The more you pray, the less you'll say. The more you pray, the less you'll say. Get your hands off the keyboard and get the hands off your phone and get your hands like this and say, God, I'm diving deep. My God is faithful. My God is great. My God is faithful. And my God is great. Okay, we're way over time, but this is the one o'clock. You don't care. So here's the deal. How many, how many are in that battle and you need joy even before the answer comes? You, you, you go, man, I just, I need to know I'm in his presence and I, I can be, I can have his joy like Hannah even before the pregnancy, before the answer. And I need him to change me right now. Just lift your hands right now if that's you. Just lift them right now. Lift them right now. Father, for every hand that's lifted right now, let these be the deep divers. Let these be the 26 feet people. Let these be the ones they're gonna find down below that God, that they don't have to respond to the slander, the lies, the accusations. But they're gonna find God, even before they collaborate with somebody and talk with somebody, they're gonna separate from people. Take a deep dive. I pray this for pastors around the country and around the world. 
Father, I pray pastors again will find a place at their knees. I pray pastors and preachers will get back to their hands and knees and not look on for, for something on, on YouTube or something on a podcast to preach, but they would hear from heaven again. Let us hear from heaven again. Raise up churches that are going, we want heaven to speak. We want one word from heaven. Come speak to us today. But right now, for every hand that's raised, send joy, joy in your presence. Joy in your presence right now. Joy in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, let me, let me just say this. Here's the good news. This is, what the, this is what Paul says. In all of these things, we can overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Listen, what, what, what does he talk about? In what things? This is what he said. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, that's future, and stuff that's happening now, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you see what he just said in the very beginning? This is to all you sad people. Listen, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors. What he was saying was, in all these things, prayer helps you conquer in them, not after them. You, you think you're a conqueror. If I can just get through it, he goes, you could be a conqueror while you're going through it. While you're in the middle of it. How does that happen? How does that happen? While you're in it, you also have somebody inside of you. Greater is he that is where? Than he that is in the world. That's what he said. That's what God does. But you need Christ in you. Just before we sing this song, all my life you've been so, you've been so faithful. If you're here today and Christ is not, you may be in church, that's great. And you may be in religion, that's great. You may be in the one o'clock, you may be in, in, in the building. But you can be in a mosque, you can be in a synagogue, you can be in a cathedral, you can be in Times Square Church. That doesn't change you. You must be in Christ. Christ must be inside. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I need him in me, in me, in me. If you have never invited Christ to come in and change you from the inside out, that relationship is called being born again. Just as you had a physical birth, a first birth, born the first time physically, you need to be born again spiritually. That's when God comes in. That's the in me part. That's how you can overwhelmingly conquer in those things. Because here's what I always want you to remember. Keep this in mind, folks. Keep this in mind. Because you're going to need to be in him. Because you may be sitting here today and go, oh, Pastor Tim, I'm in a legal fight. I may be in someone's post. I may be in the hospital. I could be in trouble, be in debt, be in chemo, be in a nation that hates Christianity. I may even be in jail, but I'm telling you from this day on, I will be in prayer, in prayer, in prayer, in prayer. But you can't get through that unless Christ is in you. And if you've never been born again, it's as simple as ABC. A, admitting that I'm a sinner. I'm broken on the inside. I can't fix myself. B, believing God sent his son 2,000 years ago to do what I can't do for myself, that he would be my sin bearer, die on the cross for my sins, live a life I couldn't live and give me a reward I don't deserve. 
and then see, confess him as Lord, saying you're in charge. Not in charge on Sundays. You're in charge every day. I need you in my life. That's the Romans 10, 9, and 10. To confess him as Lord, saying you're the boss now. You're the boss. Speak to me on Monday, Tuesday, whatever you say. You're in charge of my life. With every head up, every eye open, if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I don't want to leave this place without Christ in me, to know Christ is in me. Whatever I'm about to face, I want to know when I take that deep dive, Christ is in me through everything that I go through. If you're here today and say, when you pray that born again prayer, would you put me in there? I want to start, I want to start today. I want to be born again. If that's you, hold up your hand. Just say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up high. I want to make sure I see it. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right there, that whole section right there. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. All the way over there. Balcony. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? I want to make sure. Yes, got you back there. Yes, 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 yes. Online, just type the word decided. Can we all pray this together? Come on, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.